Well, today we're wrapping up this teaching series, one another, looking at passages in the New Testament which describe how we are to be in relationship with each other through, you know, good times and bad times through all the circumstances of life. And and this week has been kind of a unique one for Monisa and me in terms of experiencing some real joy and also shedding some tears. Uh, This week it was announced that our son Stephen and his wife Sarah having their first child, so another grandchild's coming. Yeah, thank you. And I sent Sarah a text saying, based on that uh, on that picture, that I think my new grandson or granddaughter looks just like me. <laughs> but it's also um, been a hard week. Yesterday was the 10-year anniversary of the plane crash in Lexington, Kentucky, that took the life of Monisa's sister and, and brother-in-law. Monisa's in Kentucky this weekend with a lot of the family. Yesterday morning they had a memorial. Uh, remembering that 10, 10 year anniversary. And I was sitting at home watching the live streaming from the television station in Lexington on my laptop. And I have to tell you when the, they had, uh, they had, uh, the police officer who was the first one on the scene at 6:30 that Sunday morning, uh, ring a bell while another person read each of the, the 49 names that died in the crash. And, when they read Diane's name and her photograph appeared on the on the TV screen, and then Homer's name and his picture on the TV screen, they rang over. I got to tell you, it was not a not an easy moment. There were tears, and it was just tough. And and it got me thinking that our week is sort of a, a microcosm of life. You know, we experience both rain and sunshine. And it's not like God says, all right, now here's a season and it's all rain and here's a season and it's all sunshine. A lot of times they overlap. Is that not true? I mean, at one season in life, you can have things that make you smile and rejoice and celebrate. And also in that same season, things that just break your heart and hurt, you know, in ways you didn't know you could hurt. And that's life here on, here on, on earth. Um, and so many people are suffering in so many ways. There, there are people in this room right now who are hurting. Some of you are grieving uh, the sickness of a loved one or the death of a loved one. You're worried about your job, uh, school issues, relationship issues, marriage issues, parenting issues. You've got a, there, there's just so much that goes on in life. Uh, you got a doctor's visit and you're wondering what you're going to hear. I, I know there's a lot of hurt in this life. And, and beyond all of that, you know, Christians are not uh, not always uh, popular in today's culture. What we believe about Christ and about truth is not always popular in our modern culture. And around the world, Christians are suffering. I was reading this week about um, Asia Bibi in Pakistan. She's a she's a Christian, been in prison for seven years, convicted of of blasphemy. Pakistan, as you know, is a is a Muslim country. And uh, seven years ago, convicted of blasphemy, of insulting the prophet Muhammad, and she was sentenced to execution by hanging, and she's in prison for seven years awaiting execution. And and do you know what her crime was? Do you know what she did? She and her family are the only Christians in this small Pakistani village. Everyone else, they're Muslims. And she and the other women were gathering berries one day, and they told her, because in Pakistan, Christians are viewed as low-class nobodies. And uh, they told her to go get some water for them. And so she went to a well, got a bucket of water. And at the well, on the ground, she saw a tin cup. She picked up that tin cup. And as she was carrying the water back to those Muslim women, she reached in the bucket and got a drink for herself. 
an argument ensued because in their mindset, as a low-class Christian, she's unholy, unclean, religiously, spiritually, and they are forbidden to drink from or eat from anything that, another Christ, that a Christian has touched because it makes it unholy and unclean. It will mess them up spiritually. And so she was charged with blasphemy, and she was convicted in court. She's been in jail seven years. It was just announced that in October the Supreme Court in Pakistan will hear her appeal. If she loses, and by the way, this is her last appeal, if she loses, she will be executed by hanging for drinking a cup of water. Christians hurt, and they're suffering in this world, being persecuted. There's sickness everywhere. This week I was speaking with a, a young lady, a college student here at Winthrop. She's been attending our church a couple of years. And uh, she has a, a 17-year-old brother under hospice care dying from bone cancer. I had breakfast Friday with one of my advisory teams. And uh, uh, Brother Bill over here and his mom's had a stroke and talking about her issues, and then all of us at the table were able to talk about aging parents and str- sickness and issues that we're struggling with caring for those aging, aging parents. There's, there's a lot of hurt in this room. There's a lot of pain in this room. There's a lot of sickness in this room. And life on earth has both sunshine and rain, good and bad, joy and sorrow. And, and the question is, how do you and I as followers of Jesus deal with that? How do we handle it? Well, today, and I I invite you to to look in James chapter 5, if you have your Bible, James chapter 5. We're going to look at a passage where, where he talks about one another. And he uses that phrase twice in these verses. Because, brothers and sisters, if ever do we need each other, it is when we're going through hard times. When we're suffering, when we're sick, when we're being persecuted, when, when, when life is not easy, that more than any other time in your life is when you need each other. And you don't need to isolate yourself from the family of God. You need to embrace the family of God, allow the family of God to embrace you. And so we're going to look at what God teaches us in these verses about doing that so that we know how to deal with life. When the rain comes, as well as when we're living in the sunshine. How do we handle these things? Now, the book of James is written to a group of Christians, many of whom who were suffering and struggling because of the abusive behavior toward them by some very wealthy and powerful people. You do understand that what other people do can have an impact on you, right? Intentionally or unintentionally. Suffering comes for a lot of uh, different reasons. And, and, and these, these believers were suffering because of the behavior of others. And so God gives them some encouragement and some challenge and some direction for how to deal with it and how to help one another deal with life. So would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read together from James chapter 5 beginning at verse 7. James chapter 5 beginning with verse 7. The Bible says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. 
their planting seasons, the opposite of, of ours, the early rains would be the autumn, the fall rains, the late ones would be the spring just before harvest. He said, you too be patient. Strengthen your hearts. Look at that again. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. But above all, above everything, my brethren, do not swear, neither by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Verse 13, is any among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will, be, will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Now, I could take a few weeks unpacking that one verse. But let me just say something now because I don't have time to say it in today's sermon. When you pray a prayer of faith for someone who is sick, you have both faith in God's ability to heal and faith in God's sovereign will that if he chooses to heal in heaven, not on earth, blessed be the name of the Lord. I I wish I had time to unpack that, but I don't. But I wanted to just put that out there because I know that's a question on a lot of minds and I just don't have time to address it today, but just make that statement. Faith is not something by which we manipulate God. So come back sometime in the future when God leads me to preach on that, and I'll, I'll give you more. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Father, help us today in ways that you know we need help. Move among us, humble us, take away our pride and our sense of self-sufficiency and grow our dependence on you. And our awareness of our need for other believers and our willingness to be a blessing to others as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you can be seated. Now, real, real quickly, real quickly. In this passage, he says, as believers, when we go through difficult times, suffering, sickness, persecution, whatever it is, we need two things, endurance and strength. And he talks about those multiple times in this passage. He uses the word in my Bible and in many of your translations, the word patience. That word literally means to be long-spirited. It's like, have you ever been in a situation where things were happening, people were saying, doing things, you just have to take a deep breath and collect yourself? That's the idea. You just take a, a deep breath and you collect yourself rather than just reacting. Because quite often when we just react emotionally, what, what happens? We sin. We do something we regret. And so he said, you take that that deep breath and you you have a long-suffering approach, a patient endurance. And in particular, the Greek word translated patience in these verses uh, speaks to, 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 to patience when you are dealing with people. Because these believers in James 
Some of their suffering was because of the abusive behavior of wealthy and powerful people. Other people hurt you. Other people wrong you. People do things. They, they commit crimes and you pay for it. They, they drink and drive and, and people you care about pay for it. And, and our family, those, those pilots not doing their job that Sunday morning, that's the, that's the report of the NTSB, not, not paying attention to their job, led to the death of 49 people. Sometimes we suffer because of the actions of others, right? And he says, in those moments... Because if you're going to get through life as a believer the way Christ calls you to get through it, you're going to need to learn patient endurance. <sighs> and the other thing is strength. You need, you need inner strength. In verse 8, he says, strengthen your heart. The word strengthen there means to, to, set, your, to set fast, to be resolute, uh, to be established, to be fixed, to make strong. And, and in the, for, for the, for the, ancient peoples your heart was not just emotions the way it is for us the heart was the real inner you it was everything it was your thinking it was your decision making it was your emotions it was all of that and so he says the real you the way you think your thought processes and the way you deal with your emotions and your decision making all of that you, you need to fix it you need to establish it you need to make it firm you, you need to say this 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 is who i am and this is my worldview this is my faith and it's fixed and he says, what you're, what you're going to have to find, what, what you need to develop, is this kind of inner strength that says, my faith is fixed on God. My love for him is real. My love for his church and his people is fixed. And nothing and no one is going to make me move from my commitment to Christ. And if I have to, sometimes, to have the kind of patience and the kind of endurance needed, Rather than just reacting emotionally, so be it. That's what I'll do because I'm fixed. I'm strengthened on the inside. Now, here's the here's the key question: How how do we develop those two things? How, how do we how do we strengthen ourselves on the inside? How do, how do we get that? And how do we learn to and not just be emotional and reactionary all the time, but but to have that patient endurance and be be strong on the inside? How, how do we how do we develop that? And by the way, do you know how long you need those two things? Until the day you see Jesus. Because twice in this passage he says you be patient and, and you strengthen yourself. Why and how long? Until the coming of the Lord, until the second coming. Until you, Listen, brothers and sisters, until you see Jesus face to face, you need those two things if you're going to follow Jesus the way a disciple is supposed to follow Jesus. That means there's no point in your journey on earth where you say, I, I don't want those, I, I don't need those, I'm not going to develop those, and you just run away. That if you're going to follow Jesus, you endure until you see Jesus. If you're going to follow Jesus, you allow him to give you that kind of strength on the inside until you see him face to face, no matter what happens in life. Now, is that always easy? No. But that's what it means to be a disciple. So how do we develop that? Well, I'm going to give you three keys for developing those two things in your life. The first is we draw that kind of strength from the example of those who came before us. Look with me at verse 10. He says, as an example, brethren, as an example, brethren, look at the prophets. Look at the prophets in verse 10. The suffering and patience, he said, take the prophets as an example. 
Those who spoke in the name of the Lord. They're, they're your example. Think about Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah was beaten and put in stocks. You know, his head and his arm in stocks in, in, in the public square so everyone could see him and everyone could laugh at him. Jeremiah was locked in prison. He was thrown into a dungeon. He was thrown into a cistern, an empty well. I mean, one man experiencing all of that during his life of ministry and service to God. Daniel, as a young man taken away as a slave to a foreign country and spent the rest of his life there. And in that foreign country, thrown into a den of lions on one occasion. And yet he remained true to God. Moses, the great prophet, Jesus said the greatest of prophets before John the Baptist. Moses, this this great prophet leading the the, the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And and during most of his leadership, they grumbled and complained against him. On more than one occasion, they actively rebelled against his leadership. And in verse 11, he mentions Job in particular. The story of Job in the Old Testament lost his family. Lost his health. Lost his fortune. And what about in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul? We learn that on five different occasions. Now think about this. If this happened one time to somebody, we'd think, man, they're a martyr. This happened five times during Paul's ministry in the name of Jesus. Five times he was beaten with 39 lashes from a leather whip. Five separate times. Three other times Paul was beaten with a rod. Once a mob stoned him and thought he was dead, left him for dead. They'd hit him with so many rocks in the head and other parts of his body. Three separate times the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked as he traveled to do the ministry of Jesus. Now you think about one man experiencing all of that in his life as a Christian. They suffered. They hurt. They they experienced terrible circumstances and 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 they were injured by the behavior and decisions of others they they went through hell on earth and yet they remained true to Jesus Christ his calling on their lives and god says if you want to to have endurance and 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 inner strength look at the examples of those who came before you he goes on to say that we consider them, in verse 11, we, we, we consider them blessed. I mean, we, we hold them up as models of the faith. We, we hold them up as, as men of, of, of commitment, and, 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 and we honor them. The Bible says we need to learn from them. Don't, don't look at all the naysayers. If, if you want to find negative naysayers, you can find them easily. If you want to follow the example of the frustrated and the failures, you can can do so. But you'll pay for it. You'll suffer even more for it. Look at the example of those of faith, those who of faithfulness, those who've come before us. And draw strength from their example. Be blessed by their example. 
But number two, we draw strength from those who are with us in the here and now. Two times in these verses, he uses the word one another. One another. And he describes our relationships with each other during these difficult times in life. He says, you need, you need to have some other believers with whom you are so close, you have such intimate fellowship that, that you can share the intimate details of your life. Other believers that, that when, you're, when you sin, when you mess up, or when you're struggling, or when you're hurting, you, you need other believers that you can go to and honestly confess, honestly talk to about your struggle. And don't try to fight that battle alone look at verse 16 therefore confess your sins to one another now let that sink in when you're struggling when you're messing up you you need someone else to help you when life is so hard you you have those moments and you don't you don't take that deep breath, but instead you emotionally react and you get mad or you and you do something. You, you need somebody you can go and say, you know what, I blew it. And I need you to pray for me. I need your help. You, you need Christians in your life like that. He also says, needing each other in the here and now, not just those kind of close relationships, but we need to pray for one another. You, you, need, to, you need people who will pray for you and you need to be praying for them look at verse 16 again he says therefore confess your sins to one another that means exactly what it says doesn't mean you go around telling everybody what you've done wrong but you you need other believers in your life where you can talk about the real issues in your life the real struggles in your life the real failures in your life the real sin in your life and get help and get encouragement and we draw strength from other believers when we have those kind of relationships. And we need to pray for one another. He says there, after confessing, pray for one another. Look at what he, what he says in verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We're going to do that this morning. We have ordained deacons and are going to be here at the front that I've that I've met with and there today if you are dealing with a sickness a physical ailment a struggle we're going to have an extended time of worship when I finish preaching and you're going to have plenty of time to come to one of them and and um, have them pray for you and they're going to anoint you with all and I'll talk more about that in a moment but we're going to do that because we need to pray for one another but here's the, here's the next thing about our relationships with one another in the here and now. Not only praying for one another and being able to admit our struggles and our sin, we, we, in the midst of those difficult moments, we are not to turn on one another. Don't turn against God's people. Look at verse 9. He said, do not complain, brethren, against one another. And, and that verse is in the context of these verses talking about suffering struggle and sickness and one of the times that people get upset the most at god's people and the church is when they're going through struggles and they begin to grumble and complain and god says don't do that then iv translates that word grumble 
It's interesting in the Greek, it's in the continuous action, which means that there's a bitterness, there's a grudge, there's a hurt, there's an emotion, there's a feeling, and you hold on to it. You won't let go of it. You just hold on to it. You hold on to it. And do you know what holding on to a grudge is? Holding on to a grudge is a refusal to forgive. That's all it is. A refusal to forgive. And God in this passage says, don't do that when you're going through difficult times. Because do you know what that behavior does? It destroys you spiritually. It isolates you spiritually. The person that it damaged the most spiritually is the one holding on to the grudge. So draw strength from the example of those who came before us and draw strength from those who are with us in the here and now, but also draw strength from God. By consistently praying and worshiping Him and not abandoning either of those. In verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He's to sing praises. And so I can have a day where I'm looking at that image of my new grandson or granddaughter who, according to that image, looks just like me. (laughs) And on the same day, sit at the counter in our kitchen looking at my laptop and crying as those names and faces appear on that screen so what does he say you do you pray and you sing praises you you pray and you worship you pray and you worship you pray and you worship how how are you going to draw strength from god if you abandon him in the midst of your crisis if you stop praying If you stop worshiping, if in your herd and frustration you run away and hide, it's when we're sick, we need the hospital most. When we're sick, we need the great physician more than any other time. So draw strength from God by praying and by worshiping Him. Draw. And, and, and there's also, listen, brothers and sisters, there, there's a warning in this passage as well about our relationship with God during difficult times. Look at verse 12. He says, above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Your yes is to be yes, your no is to be no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Now, normally when we think of that passage and, and, and Jesus said the same thing in the gospels, we think about just being honest in our conversations with other people. And it means that, but in this passage, in this context, it means something more than that. And what it's saying is in your relationship with God, be honest and don't, 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 don't make bargains with God. Don't make these oaths and swear to God in the midst of difficult times. God, if you, then I will. Because isn't there a temptation during challenging times to bargain with God? 
And God doesn't do business that way. And so it says, don't do that. Don't do that. And this is, this is not a fun thing I'm going to say, but I, I've got to preach God's word. And there's, there's, in, there's, there's two warnings in this passage that all of us need to be aware of when we're going through challenging times. Two, two behaviors that if we're not careful, he says, can move us out from under the blessing of God and under the judgment of God. And one of those is what I just talked about. He said at the end of verse 12, so that you may not fall under judgment. Don't bargain with God. It's serious business when you promise God, God, if you do this, then God, I'll do that. Mm. Just be a man, be a woman, be a disciple, be a follower of Jesus. You're either committed or you're not, but don't try to play games with God. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, not only in your communications to other people, but in your communication with God. If we are to be honest with one another, doesn't it make even more sense we're to be honest with God? But the second occasion is verse 9. Do not complain, brethren, against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. Did you catch that? When, when, when you turn on the people of God because you're going through a difficult time, God says, hey, that's my family you're messing with. And in our earthly family, don't we often say blood's thicker than water? And I, 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 I'd be a dishonest preacher if I didn't point those two things out. What's he telling us? And again, I I wish I had more time. I I could talk for weeks about these passages, these verses. But the summation is this. He says, we're going to go through tough times. And when we do, as disciples, as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, strengthen your heart, strengthen your resolve. Stay with it. Don't quit. Don't, Don't give up. Don't run away. Don't get mad. Keep loving Jesus. Keep worshiping Jesus. Keep praising Jesus. Keep serving Jesus and stay connected to his people. Stay connected to his people. Don't isolate yourself from his people and then blame them because you isolated yourself. Stay connected to his people. Stay connected to his people. And through all of it, pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for one another. Bob Record Baptist preacher and denominational leader suffered a severe spinal injury and was in constant pain, had many sleepless nights, eventually developed a dependency on prescription narcotics. He lost his health. He lost his ministry. And during one really dark moment, he just wanted a change of scenery, and it was in the winter, So he went to sit on his back porch. And it's one of those, you know, cold, blustery, wintry days with a light drizzle, just a miserable day, you know, cloudy, just miserable. And he's just sitting there feeling sorry for himself. And suddenly a bird landed on the banister and started to sing. 
And he said, if I'd had a shotgun, I'd shot it. (laughs) But it just kept singing. Next day, he went on that porch again. But it was a different scene. Sun was shining. Clear, beautiful, no rain. And you know one of those nice, kind of brisk, but sunny, warm winter days? And he's sitting there still feeling sorry for himself. And all of a sudden, that same bird shows up and starts singing again. And he still didn't have his shotgun. But as he listened to that bird sing, he said it was like God turned the light on in his head. And he said, I get it. The bird sings when it rains. And the bird sings when the sun shines. The bird just keeps singing. And you and I are faced with a choice in life. To be like the bird and sing whatever the day. Or take a shotgun and shoot it. (laughs) But the choice you make ultimately determines your life, your future, and your spiritual health. So choose to sing. Choose to pray. Choose to lean on one another. Choose to run to God. Do not run away. Today, I'm asking you to bring your life, your heart, your soul to the altar. To bring your struggles and fears, your pain and your hurts to the altar. Your sin and your failure and your mistakes and your bad choices to the altar. Your sickness to the altar. And when I pray, after I I say amen... We're going to begin the music, and you're invited to come and pray at the altar to make a public decision to come to one of these men and ask them to pray for you and your physical ailment. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that all over this room you begin moving among us and that you give us freedom, freedom to respond and freedom to obey. God, I pray you take away pride and and you just move in our hearts. And I pray that right now there will be healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, physical healing. I pray for restoration of relationships. I pray, God, just for you to do a great work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.